Okay, so episode three of Inside the Cylinder for the new season, episode 90-something overall. Um, this is your one of your co-hosts, David Fernandez here, writer over at Detroit Bad Boys. You can also find all of our new episodes on the Detroit Bad Boys stream if you're not getting sick of me saying that by now. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Way. What's up, Matt? What's up, David? We, uh, we've got some, uh, some actual basketball to talk about. I'm excited. How was your holidays, by the way? How was Christmas? It was good. Um, you know, we had a small, smaller get togethers with family, um, you know, like most people, I think these days. And, uh, it was nice. It was, it's always nice to take a, take a step back and, um, just hang out with, with people, uh, people you like. So how was yours? It was good and it was nice because usually I have like a big family get together and I can't do the old NBA, uh, you know, showcase essentially. So uh, this year I was able to watch tons of hoops, which was awesome because I love watching the NBA showcase. It's one of my most exciting, my favorite day, one of my favorite days on the calendar. I think the first day of the playoffs is probably my, my most favorite day on the basketball calendar just because there's so many games and it's the playoffs but the Christmas showcase is so awesome and then it also just reminds me of back in the day when I was a teenager watching the Pistons who were regularly on that and it just brings back good memories for sure I uh we didn't get the best slate of games this year um unfortunately for you but um and a lot of people but um I I just love watching the NBA so I I agree my the the only other Day I'd add is Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day. They, uh, it's it's. I think every team plays maybe, um, and there's always uh, a, a bunch of good matchups as a result. And, and historically, or at least recently, that's been one of the only Pistons um, uh, like showcase games of the entire or national TV games over the course of the calendar year. I don't even think they have one this year. That's not an NBA TV game. But that's the one where you might get a Pistons game, just knowing how bad they've been recently. Yeah, I think I remember watching Rodney Stuckey in, uh, when I was living in Milwaukee, um, and I was a, I was in law school, and uh, they I think it was Martin Luther King Day um, because they were on national TV somehow. Um, but yeah, dark times. Uh, yeah, we're we're not gonna um, get get a whole lot of um, not gonna get a whole lot of national games uh, in the next few years, I would imagine. No, not at this rate, at least. Uh, but yeah, you you mentioned it, real basketball to be talked about. This is our first episode where we're actually discussing some of the games that have happened, and uh, the Pistons are currently zero and four. Um, but uh, I know you had mentioned just here on our little doc, we're gonna do a little biggest early takeaways. So the way I want to do this, kind of in a Lowian sense, is uh, the list like two or three of our own early takeaways, uh, just off the fly, and we might have the same takeaways here. We might not, but uh, would you want to start off with uh, your, I guess, one of your first takeaways that you've noticed through this uh, 0-4 slate that we started off with? Sure. Um, so let me start out with my one of my more general ones. I have two general ones and one specific one. Um, so my, my first thought is just that for all the grief that came during the free agency period of time, um, Troy Weaver, Troy Weaver's first free agency signings look pretty good. Actually. Um, Jeremy Grant, Josh Jackson, Mason Plumley, I think has played well. Um, Jaleel Okafor is probably the only, exception um but delon wright's looked good too um so um you know i i was kind of i took a more patient approach after free agency than than some did and i understood why some people were upset with with some of the signings but to my eye they all uh they all look to be pretty good and guys that could really contribute to a uh a rebuilding type situation my first uh, my first uh, note here was, did we, like the collective Pistons fan base, jump the gun on dismissing the Jeremy Grant signing? He's averaging 23 points, six boards, shooting 47% from the floor, 37% from three. He's up 11 points in points per game. He is playing more 
this season, but um, and 2.5 boards. He's never really been known as a strong rebounder. Uh, but uh, yeah, just in general, he's looked really good. And I've been surprised. I thought he was going to be a bit more limited in his sort of offensive game, just his total game, rather than what we came to know from him from his days in Denver. So yeah, I, I w- I'm on the, the same page there. It's just like, he's looked awesome. And he's had 27 points in his last couple of games. He's kind of been the alpha uh, uh, on the floor uh, for pretty long stretches. So I've been really happy with it. And maybe it kind of just shows you that he's right in gambling on himself. It's like, I do have more to prove and I just need to be in a situation where I'm allowed to do that. So it could be sort of a perfect marriage just with Jeremy Grant, this team, what he brings to the table. And especially at at that dollar amount, you know, and he's making 20 million a year, which is, it's not low, but it's not crazy high. And he's putting up this type of production. If this is to last over the course of the season, then that is a hell of a signing. But it's, you know, we're four games in right now, so we will see. But I agree 100% there. Yeah, Jeremy Grant, I've, you know, he, to me, he he's looked a lot like he did in the bubble, which is encouraging in a completely new situation with completely different teammates. Um, his, his usage is up and his efficiency is way up. He's just, he he's shown more than I thought he had in terms of being like a lead ball handler type. Like he's not going to be that guy on every possession clearly, but um, he's so aggressive and long and athletic. Um, And when you combine those things, like you're going to get to the free throw line, you're going to get more calls than the typical Pistons player that we've seen in the, in the past. Um, We've always, I think, struggled to, to draw fouls. Um, And so I've, I, I was I liked the Jeremy Grant signing, um, but he's kind of exceeded my expectations at this point. And when he gets ahead of steam, especially, he's not James Harden with the rock by any means uh, with his handle. But when he gets ahead of steam, he's really good at getting by his guy with like a little one two move to get to the cup. So that's something that it might it looks a little clunky at times. It looks like it's just not supernatural, but he's good at it and he's shown an ability to as you said, get to the line, get to the cup. And he's just been playing really, really well. So I've been happy with what I've seen because during the preseason, I was certainly concerned. Yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, the one of the things that I want to just point out too is, you know, I think we talked about it <clears throat> one of our one of our first podcasts is, you know, maybe he's not just breaking things down off the dribble, but, you know, they're just put him in situations where he can touch the ball more, he can take more shots, um, attacking different things. And I, th- I think Dwayne Casey has done a pretty good job at that. Um, we've seen a lot of him coming off screens, um, especially like from the left wing, and it gives him a little more space. And when, when you give him some space and he attacks aggressively, like he, I mean, he's, he's put some dunks down that I, I wasn't expecting, frankly. Um, and, I, and I've seen more, more ability in, in his dribbling game than, than I expected. So I, I've liked that the coaches are, are really putting him in positions to succeed, which is, you know, clearly what we want to see with, with a younger team. 100%. Um, should we move on to the, the next one? Sure. Um, so my second takeaway is that, I mean, quite simply, Josh Jackson is good. Um, I've been so impressed by him. He's, his, he he like Grant his his usage is up and his efficiency is up and I was concerned what would happen with Josh Jackson when shots didn't start um, weren't weren't falling at the rate they were like in preseason say um, but I think last night he struggled from three and last night was the Warriors game um, he he str- he seemed to struggle from three I don't have the numbers up in front of me um, but you know, even when he's missing three point shots, like he's just getting to the rim, he's finishing, he's doing it in creative ways. He has this funky little floater that is weirdly effective. Um, he's been getting out in transition. He's been a terrific rebounder. I think, um, he's got some defenses, defensive lapses, certainly, but, um, from an offensive standpoint, especially, I, I think he's been super impressive to me. He's looked really confident too. He's he's not second guessing himself at all. 17 points per game, six rebounds. 
shooting 51% from the floor. And he's also had some monster ducks dunks, which you know, he's was known as uh, an athlete coming in, uh, not strictly an athlete, but that's definitely not a negative of his game. And uh, he's really putting it together. And I love watching him run in transition too. I, I just think he's, pretty special when he gets out in the open floor, which actually is my second point. This, my second takeaway is I'd like them to run more. Uh, they've looked their best in my opinion, when they've got out in transition, they have the athletes to finish at the rim. Like we just mentioned, more stops would be helpful here. They are one of the worst defenses in the league currently. So obviously you can't just always manufacture transition opportunities, but I do think that there are times where they walk it up or, I don't know, just they set the pace at, at a little bit slower of a tempo than I'd like to see personally. Uh, I, they built the lead against the Minnesota Timberwolves in game one. Uh, a lot of points in the paint and a lot of fast break points. And, th- and they were also able to come back against the Warriors uh, when they were able to get out in transition. Now, that game had its ebbs and flows and its peaks and valleys and whatnot. But uh, I think that they've looked their best when they've been able to get out and run. And I'd like to see it a little bit more from a design standpoint, but the defense does have to assist in that, you know, in, in that regards, just because if you're taking the ball out at, in your own uh, end zone at all times, then you're not going to be able to do that. So if they are able to do that a little bit more, I think that they'll definitely be more successful overall. They've won zero games. Uh, you know, if you're team tank or you're not team tank, whatever, but it wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind seeing them get a scratch in the win column. I think that's an area where they could certainly capitalize on more, just given the personnel that they have on the floor. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, they've played a little faster than they have in recent years, but, um, I've, I, I, like you have been impressed when they do get out in transition. I think it was the Timberwolves game, the, the opening game that they must have scored on like three or four made baskets. Um, Like Minnesota made a basket and they went down and got an open layup, Um, which, you know, part of that's just Minnesota's got a terrible defense Um, and they, they've got a lot of guys who just don't try. Um, But, but it's just happened more this season already through four games than I can remember. And and I want them to just keep doing it. Um, You know, I think a couple of the hindrances, frankly, are, the veterans like Rose and Blake Griffin and Julio Okafor um, to an extent um, because in, in the, um, the Warriors game, um, <clears throat> or not, I'm sorry, in the, the Hawks game, when, when those guys sat, I thought they looked to run a little more things just looked, things just went more fluidly without Rose and, and Griffin on the floor. I thought, yeah, that, that's a, another area where it, it can't be understated. Those guys like to set their own pace. They like to be the quarterbacks when they're on the on the floor. So, yeah, it, it, I guess it's not just something that can miraculously happen. But when there are the opportunities, I think they should certainly try to capitalize that on much as much as possible. Um, do you want to hit us? Do you have another one? I have one more. I have one more as well. So my last one is that <clears throat> the team is just a lot more fun to watch than I expected. Um, I've been looking forward to watching them just because there's so many fresh faces and a rebuild process to me is exciting after all the years of battling for the eighth seed. Um, but just from a general, like the, the standpoint and how they're playing, how they're working on the floor, I, I've been really impressed with, they they just hustle. They they work really hard. Like every time Isaiah Stewart gets on the floor, um, whether it's been preseason or regular season, you're like, that dude just works hard. Um, he he just is a monster on the boards. Um, Josh Jackson and Jeremy Grant give that sort of same type of energy, not to the extent that Stewart maybe does, but um, it, that sort of thing I think is infectious and. It's it's certainly something that you need with a a young rebuilding team. So I've I've been I've been really happy to to just watch them, even though they've gone gone zero and four, and um, they've been tough to watch at times. It's just it's it's been a fun experience for me. One hundred percent, yeah. The fresh faces are uh, just a needed at needed at this point, as you said. So many years of battling for the eighth seed. Uh, so many, I don't know, just players that you've seen make their way around the league. Uh, 
uh, on Detroit or just have been on the team for so long. It's just nice to see a group of guys sort of figure it out on the floor, even though there, there's been some ugly moments. Uh, I, I just can't be, I could be a little happier. You know, I think there's just been some, some meltdowns in, in a couple of these games that, yeah, you can be team tank or not team tank, whatever. But at the same time, uh, just melting down late in games, no matter who's on the floor is, is never fun to watch. But when you do get to see, some of the rookies figure it out when you do get to see them put in positions that'll make them successful and and convert on shots and play aggressive defense. Uh, it's been just really fun overall. And uh, we got a lot more games to go. So uh, eventually they'll be able to figure it all out for a full 48 minutes. But uh, yeah, not currently. But the one thing, and I don't want to want to rain on the parade too much, but my final takeaway here is their three-point shooting has been absolutely atrocious. Uh, the Pistons are, they're shooting a lot of threes. They rank six in three point attempts and they're, uh, hitting, uh, they're 27th in three point percentage. So they're shooting a lot and they're missing a lot. Uh, one of the go-to sharpshooters who we had expected, Svi is only hitting 18% from deep. Uh, he came around a bit against the Warriors. He hit a couple of them, but in general, I don't really know what's going on there. I, I feel like it's just a small sample size and he's too pure of a shooter for that to last. But it just in general, they are not good from beyond the long line. And sometimes they just fall in love with the three-point shot. Uh, you can see a little bit of tunnel vision and guys searching for their own. And that's when they really start to play poor basketball. And uh, on the flip side of that, they're also allowing 39% from three against them. And they're allowing 14 and a half threes per game. So they're just really getting worked both on their end when it comes to three-point shots and then also uh, uh, when they defend the cup. So it's been uh, it's been bad. Just the line has not been friendly to Detroit overall. No, it certainly hasn't. Um, and, you know, I, I think a, there's a good amount of variance in there and just a small sample size. But I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious to how as, as to how the defense kind of plays out the, the efficiency. Um, three-point defensive efficiency can be somewhat random. Um, but I, I do think there's some skill in um, just how you can test and, and what type of threes and what shooters you allow to shoot the threes. Um, the, the, I, I would expect a Detroit to be a better three-point shooting team than they've shown, but there's certainly limitations there. Um, Jeremy Grant's going to, not he, there's going to be nights where he's just going to take a bunch of threes and he I, I don't I don't know that he's going to be a, a super efficient three-point shooter on high volume um Josh Jackson is is kind of the same way um but you know you at some point you got to get those up especially for a bad team like you're going to just end up shooting a lot of threes and um it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but I I'm more worried about the um I think the Pistons shooting than I am their opponents uh, shooting shooting so well to start the year. And you can always point this back to personnel at the end of the day. With the amount of rookies and young players that they have out there uh, on a consistent basis, it would be more of a shock that they were you know, a top 10 three-point shooting team rather than being a bottom third. So uh, not necessarily it's, – it's not unexpected by any means. It's just something that I've noticed just watching these four games so far. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's move on to the, uh, next topic. So, uh, let's see here. Oh, the rotation. All right. I'll let you kick this one off, Matt. Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot of consternation on Pistons Twitter, David, about, um, Dwayne Casey's rotations, especially like in the first two games, which is just kind of wild to me. Um, you know, this is a rebuilding team. I don't think that you can just like like in a playoff series or, or for a contender in important games, judge every little lineup decision um, super carefully because you're just going to try a lot of different things out. There's a lot of different priorities, I think, when it comes to developing young players. Um, but I think it's been interesting to see what Dwayne Casey's rotation is going to look like. And I think we've seen some hints, hints for it. Um, you know, the, if Josh Jackson keeps playing like this, he's, he's gotta be in the starting lineup. Don't you think? I would 
100% agree with that for sure. Um, and so I, you know, I, I think he probably goes to the shooting guard position. Um, you see Dewan Wright move back to the the bench, and you know, in the in the second two games, Dewan Wright played with the bench, and I th- I thought looked pretty good, um, especially when he was not with Derrick Rose, um, and that was the the third game of the season against the Hawks. I, th- I thought he, I mean he had a really good game that that night. And then um, even when Derrick Rose returned um, for the Warriors game, I thought it took the ball out of Derrick Rose's hands a bit more, which I'm a fan of because I'm just not I'm just not a big fan of Derrick Rose and how he fits with a young team, given how ball dominant he is. Um, and then I think the other interesting piece is where Sadiq Bey is gonna gonna fall on. The, in, in all of this. So what are, what are your general thoughts through four games, David? Well, I'm DeLon Wright. He's actually been a better facilitator coming off the bench, sort of playing that. I called him like a score first ish type of point guard. Cause he's not necessarily score first. He's not always hunting his own shot. He makes good decisions with the ball, but he's also, and he's capable of getting his own shot, but he, he's facil- been facilitating more off the bench. You can see that like he kind of flips into that I am a point guard mode, essentially, when he is slated as a backup point guard coming off the bench compared to being the starting shooting guard. So I would agree with that for sure. I would wonder how that continues to shake out when with Rose and DeLon Wright both coming off the bench if we are slating Josh Jackson into the starting lineup. I think you have to slate Josh Jackson into the starting lineup. He fits that perfect mold of young player who can grow with this team who also needs the opportunity. You you know, he just is just someone that fits exactly what you're looking for out of this current state of the Pistons. So, yeah, I would just be interested to see how those backup point guard minutes go, how often those two are sharing the floor together and what the sort of role looks like once they are in the game together because you can't necessarily have two score-first point guards going at it at the same time, uh, especially when you do have a lot of the the youth coming off the bench. So, yeah, I would be interested to see how that goes with Bay. He's looked good when he's gotten when he's gotten major minutes, he's looked really good. He's shooting 36% from 3 this year. He had double digits in his last couple of games. Uh he didn't play in the first game, only played 6 minutes in the second game. Uh he shot 3 of 5, I think, against the Hawks. Um but yeah, I've really liked what I've seen out of Sadiq Bay. I think when I wrote the preview about him, and I think this is proving to be correct, is he's definitely going to get a lot of his shots off the ball. He kind of panics when he gets deep in the paint and, and overthinks it. He kind of looks like me when I find myself too deep in the paint against a big, and I don't know what the hell I'm going to do, even though he's six foot eight and really strong. But you've just seen him sort of just throw up shots when he's found himself a little too deep and he doesn't know necessarily how to use his mass to convert there. So I would like to see him be put in that sort of, I don't know, Svee-like type of role, running him off pin downs, uh, running him off curl routes, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of pick and roll action. But, you know, I I just really like what I've seen out of Bay just as a three-point shooter, as that sort of three and D guy that he was billed as. So I, I expect him to continue to see you know, this uh, growth in minutes that we've seen over the last couple of games. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious whether as to whether he will be able to develop a little post game because I, I completely agree with you. He's he's had a lot of moments where he's just been overwhelmed, I think, in the post. But um, he has had a couple, two, three plays where, where he's he's made really nice, nice moves, um, nice little turnaround shots and um, – you know, you you would like some, you would like a guy to be more than to have another skill than just three and D. And if that can be his uh, his like next or his, his additional skill, because he's not going to be, you know, primary ball handler or even a secondary ball handler. But if he could add something like that, just a little post game, um, that that would be nice. So I'll, I'll, I'm curious to to see how that plays out. Um, and I. I He's kind of the the wild card in the rotation. I think I, I'd really like them to just throw him in a lot of different looks to to see what he can handle and um, kind of see where he fits in the in the big long term picture. 
Yeah, I guess that brings us to the sort of uh, Svi, or not necessarily Svi, but Siku and Sadiq Bey. There's a lot of guys that have not necessarily similar roles, but they're going to eventually be playing in similar spots on the floor uh, at similar positions that you want to see given minutes. So I do wonder how that, how Casey and the staff manages those two guys minutes, particularly with Siku. He's only played like 10 minutes per game so far this year. So, and I know he did hurt himself. I, I don't remember if that was acute or if it was just something that he's been dealing with. But, uh, and, and I don't know if my eyes are lying to me because I feel like when I've watched him play, he's been passing my eye test, but he's not shooting well at all. He's only hitting 30% of his shots right now, 25% from three. It's been a tiny sample size. He's only played 40 minutes. So uh, I don't want to freak anyone out or freak myself out by, by any means. But at the same time, I do sort of wonder how they're going to, I don't know, just have those two guys out on the floor uh, consistently throughout a given game, given that Blake Griffin will be in the lineup playing as well. Uh, so that's where I'm sort of keeping my eye on moving forward is how they're going to sort of divvy up all of those minutes uh, or over the course of a 48-game schedule, or sorry, 72-game schedule over the course of a 48-minute game. So that, that that's where I'm looking at right now. Yeah, it's it's been a little curious. Um, I think there is something to the the injury thing um with with Seku and I James Edwards has mentioned it a lot on Twitter and that James is somebody that I I think you can trust in in that regard um he he has like the little more tentative I think and if I remember right it was the ankle injury happened in maybe game two when we thought we thought it might have been a concussion um but it turned out to to be his ankle actually um Svi, you know, I, I, there, there's only so many minutes to go around and I, you know, that's what people have to remember. Um, and it, it's partly why I, I thought maybe they signed one or two, too many veterans. Like I, I like having, um, I like having some veterans to, to help with a young, young team, but I think they maybe went a little too far and we're kind of seeing the effect of that. Right. Um, you're not going to pull Delon right off the floor. You're not going to pull Plumlee off the floor or Jeremy Grant. Um, and you're not going to pull Derek Rose and Blake Griffin off the floor. So you need to create minutes somehow. And I think the most logical way is to just try to move Derek Rose and potentially Blake Griffin. I, I didn't think that I would be on that bandwagon so early. Um, but after watching some of these guys, these, these younger guys, and like, they look like they at least belong and that they, you know, they, they can, they can really do something or potentially do something. I, I think you want to be able to see as much of that as possible. Um, I don't think they're just going to get embarrassed off the floor, even if they, they trade Blake and Rose. I don't, I don't know how much of an impact it's going to have given how, you know, those two have played this year so far, frankly. Um, and the results. I, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they haven't won a game. Uh, so they, they, yeah, they haven't. And you know, they, I don't know. I thought they were at their most fun against Atlanta. Um, For sure. The best the most fun game. Oh, yeah, they didn't have they didn't have the best chance to win it, and um, but you know it it was just fun to watch them. Just they were kind of flying around, and um, it was it was a it was a great game to watch. Um, I appreciated not watching Julio Okafor either because I he just drives me crazy. Um, real bad. Yeah, but it, it, you know, so I'd like to see that because I think it could, I think they could hold up. And, you know, while they're 0 4, you know, I just want to mention, like, I I went through some of the the numbers, like the, if you dig a little deeper into the numbers, I think there's definitely some randomness in what's happened so far, Um, especially with like both the Pistons shooting and their opponents shooting. Um, If you look at the mid range, like the, so 16 feet, to the three-point line on basketball reference. Pistons are dead last, shooting 14%. That's not going to continue. Opponents are second best um, against the Pistons, shooting 52% on those long twos. So, like, stuff like that isn't going to last. Um, and I, I think they, they've done a few things well, especially rebounding. They've been way better rebounding than I thought. Um, they, they found some options in, like, Grant and Jackson. 
who I think can hold the team up. So I, I think they're better than their record and even than maybe like what their um, point differential tells you um, just because they, they, they have been, they've, they've had the misfortune of, of kind of being on the wrong end of shooting numbers so far. Yeah. And I've looked through a lot of the, the advanced, uh, the advanced stats just on NBA.com and, They've been, and I don't have these all pulled up right now, but I had noticed a trend where I had seen them ranked in like 17, 18, 20. They weren't a bottom three team in, in most of the rankings. So I agree there, there has to be some randomness there just because a lot of the other numbers are showing that they're, they, now they're not uh, the 17th best team in the NBA either, but at the same time, uh, I was surprised to see where they were falling in some of these categories, just because I expected those to be a lot lower, just kind of given what my eyes have been telling me and the results, I guess. So I might've just been sort of biased by the fact that they are 0-4. Um, I guess one thing about the the Rose and Griffin thing that I'm torn about, I agree. I would like to see them out the door a little bit earlier than I had expected. But the bad part of that is, their trade value right now is, is not necessarily at an all-time low, but it's not high by any means. I, I don't think that they would net what they would would have hoped to have netted in a Blake Griffin trade or Derrick Rose trade going into this season. So there is sort of a, a weird line to toe there because you can't just – you don't want to get rid of them for nothing. You don't want to repeat Andre Drummond trades over and over again. Um, you know, you do really want to make sure that – they have at least had the certain amount of time on the floor to provide some type to show other teams that they can provide value to those teams. But at the same time, you are then taking away from the style of game that we want to watch and uh, minutes from a lot of these guys who are overlapping uh, that have been productive, albeit they are young and still figuring it out on the floor. Yeah, I, no, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, I, we, you know, just in case Troy Weaver is, is actually listening to this podcast, we should say, Troy Weaver, we do not want you to just sell low on every single asset you ever have. Please do not do that. Um, <laughs> because we've already well, seen enough of that. Forever. <laughs> yeah, we've already seen enough of it, certainly. And, um, but, you know, just from a really wanting the guys to, the young guys to get more minutes and really show what they can do. Um, it, it's just it's the fan in me more than the objective um, objective Pistons analyst. Um, so I, I I agree with you completely. You you definitely want to you you don't need to necessarily wait for their peak to 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 trade them, um, but if you can if you can get good value for them in in a spot um, that makes sense, I, I think you should pull the trigger earlier rather than later. Sure, and we have seen what happens when you wait too long as well. Um, but, uh, what you, you did have a note here, which I thought was funny in the document, Isaiah Stewart versus Julio Okafor. I don't think there's a single Pistons fan out there that would make an argument for Julio Okafor here. Uh, I don't know if we have to go too far into that argument. Isaiah Stewart tries, uh, he's, hasn't been crazy effective, uh, when it comes to his putback attempts and whatnot, but at the same time, He's just been causing havoc out there on the floor. Julio Okafor just looks like he's there to pick up a check and, and do you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's if that's what you do. You're an NBA player. You're here to make some money for sure. But at the at the end of the day, I, I don't need to see Julio Okafor on the floor one more time for the rest of the season. That yeah, is a I, great signing. Yeah, and I, I think if you if you went into a lab and created like like heads head scientists create the the guy that's most likely to be a Detroit Pistons fan favorite, like Isaiah Stewart would come out of that chamber. Like that is who he, he he's just so likable. He works so hard. He, he's just every big man that, that Detroit has ever loved, like all wrapped in one. Um, he's going to have limitations, but he, he sure is fun to watch. He's like a bigger, not as finessey. Uh, uh, oh my God. What the hell? Uh, I Corliss Williamson, I, Jesus, uh, just yeah. Corliss Williamson, how he was playing so much bigger than his size down in the post and his ability to get boards, even though he was like six, two, well, he's six, four, six, five or something like that as a power forward. He just remind there were shades of, of his effort and 
that, that reminded me of him a little bit. And Isaiah Stewart looks like he was just chiseled out of marble. That man's physique is absolutely – his shoulders could host a dinner party. It's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, – I've heard Jason Maxiel too, which like I think Stewart has a little more um, – uh, I don't know, just a little more talent than Maxiel, but I, I get that. But I'll tell you the guy who he kind of reminds me of is Dewan Blair when he was coming out of pit. Um, he like he just grabs everything and he outworks. But although I think Isaiah Stewart like outworks people more than than um, Dewan Blair did, he just had this like incredible timing and like super long arms, which Stewart has. Um, but Stewart's kind of got that that nasty streak too, which you just you know as for for a big man who's a bit limited maybe um and just works hard like that nasty streak is just really fun to watch and i think is a a really valuable asset for for that kind of player um for them to stay in the league too he was kicked out of a preseason game or ejected from a preseason game so a, a, a ridiculous ejection but an, an ejection sure. nonetheless for sure but yeah i i love him he's a detroit piston he's just one of those guys over the course of the past five, six, seven years, you just look out on the floor at any given time and the DNA of, of the city, the DNA of the teams that we've grown up loving, I would just look out there and not see any of those guys at times. Like there are no Pistons on this. You know, you look around the league, it's like that guy's a Piston, that guy's a Piston, that guy's a Piston. It's nice that they now have a, a couple of Pistons on this team and it feels that way just with the way that they play their effort and uh, just what we've kind of come, what we've come to love out of rooting for this organization in general. Yeah, like for the first time in twelve years, maybe. It, it, like it, it, it just hasn't felt like those championship teams um, for for a really long time. It's 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 nice to have that feeling back. Definitely. And um, so, should we move on to Killian? Uh, yeah, um, you know, Killian has has had an up and down four games for sure. Um, what have your thoughts been? So I have some thoughts here about Killian. Uh, in general, he's looked good at, I guess that's all you can say is that he's looked good at times and bad at other times. Uh, he's played what I feel like is a competent level of NBA point guard defense as a rookie. Um, you know, he really seems to... Un- to under, have a knack of understanding where uh, he's supposed to be. He didn't shut – you don't shut down Trey Young, but I thought he did play some pretty good defense on Trey Young, although he Trey Young did end up going off for, I don't know, 28 points or something like that. Um, you do see those sort of natural pick-and-roll point guard skills. He, he navigates well. One thing I do like about him – is he doesn't get sticky with the ball. He doesn't immediately try to right a wrong if he misses a bucket. Like he does have that understanding. It's like, okay, this is just got to move the ball. There hasn't been too many moments where I felt like he's taken a selfish shot, which I like. Uh, but what I'm concerned about is just his confidence. Uh, he's clearly fl- frustrated when he's not playing well. And I'm concerned if he doesn't start turning it around, if the ball doesn't find the bottom of the net a little bit more regularly, that it could throw him into a similar Siku type of spiral that we saw last season. So I, I'm not alarmed by any means from what I've seen from a basketball skill. Uh, I guess it's from his basketball skills. But when it comes to just seeing him be frustrated and uh, it might affect his play, uh, not with his decision-making necessarily, but just with his confidence and being able to believe in his shot, being able to believe that the ball is going to find the bottom of the net, um, that's what concerns me, especially as a guy that's going to be handling the ball uh, in the starting lineup for the majority uh, of his time on the floor. So those are it, it's you know it's two parted. Like yeah, I, I like what I've seen. I'm also concerned that it could affect him for not like the long term of his whole career, just for the, the rest of this season, like we did see out of Siku last year. Yeah, that's, I think, a valid concern. Um, I, you know, I think the thing that gives me, it makes me optimistic in that regard is just that he seems to be a very mature 19-year-old NBA player. Um, and, and you kind of alluded to that and just, 
you know, how he handles some, some situations, like he doesn't just force things or, or whatever, when, when things are going bad. Um, I'd like to see maybe a little better shot selection. I think that's part of his shooting issues. Um, but he's clearly a, a gifted passer. You know, he makes really high level passes multiple times a game. Um, his defense, like you said, you know, is just way above average and way above what you would reasonably expect it to be at his age. Um, <clears throat> as a point guard in the NBA, like learning point guard defense is is like one of the hardest things to learn, I think, in the NBA traditionally. So it that that's really impressed me. There's he's had some defensive lapses too, but but not not, not nothing that that's too worrisome and. You know, the thing that I've really liked is he there was this notion coming into the season um, or into the draft even that he wasn't like a he didn't have a super great first step. You know, was he going to be able to get to the paint enough? And, and I think he's I think he's answered that already, frankly, like he doesn't always know what to do when he gets into the paint. Sometimes he he often picks the ball up too early and he's kind of like, Oh, what do I do? And, you know, puts up a bad shot or, or turns the ball over there, but he, he's been able to get to the paint pretty easily. I think. Yeah, I agree. And and I think with him, sometimes he, he misses some of these floaters that are going to start falling. They're too clear of looks uh, and too, frankly, should be too easy of looks for him that they're going to keep missing. I think, as you alluded to earlier, there is some randomness there, and I do believe those are going to fall because he's getting a clean look at the rim. He's getting a clean look at the basket. So I, I don't have any reason to believe that that's going to – the misses are going to just keep going on over the course of the year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just his point guard instincts are just very clear. They're, they're very uh, much on display. I really do like seeing him run the pick and roll – with um, uh, Plumley, I really do like some of the lobs that I've seen him give to the bigs and give to Plumley really close to the rim for super easy putaways. So that's a, a lot of the positive stuff that I've seen out of him. I, I just hope that he understands that he's doing really good things um, and you are playing the right way and the results will eventually start to come. Uh, so don't beat yourself up because it might not have been the result that, that you had expected in a given possession just keep doing what you are doing because you're putting yourself in possess in position to, to be successful for the long term. Uh, absolutely. And that I think is hopefully what the, the coaching staff is preaching. And, um, you know, I think that kind of attitude is important in a coaching staff in this situation that the Pistons are in. And I, I can't really think of a guy that I'd rather have in that regard than Dwayne Casey, frankly, I, he's just, he's just the most positive, like just good person that, you know, as good a person as you'll find. Um, and so I, I have no doubt that he is, um, he is promoting that type of attitude, especially with Killian. Um, he, you know, he, he knows how to develop guys. We, we saw him do it in, in Toronto, even, you know, there's, there's plenty of valid things to, um, be upset with Casey or criticize Casey, but, but this sort of thing, I don't think is one of them. Um, you mentioned the the floaters, and I completely agree. And I'm going to plug a piece that I did for Detroit Bad Boys earlier this week, um, calling it the closeout, where I'm just looking at some different different plays from, you know, the the, the week before. Um, and I actually took a look at some of his floaters um, in that piece, so check it out. And you know, I I think when he goes into those those floaters with a plan, or he goes into the paint with a plan and decides to shoot a floater like he's had success. Um, but the, the, the ugly ones or the, the misses tend to be some footwork issues, some just confidence. I think like, like not, not really sure what he's going to do. And and so he's got to kind of guess at the last second. Um, and, and so I, that you would hope that would improve, but, but it's definitely, I think something to, to watch moving forward. Definitely. And I think that he's going to, to uh, we're all waiting for that, big game that complete game we haven't seen it yet he looked really good in the second half of the Hawks game he kind of got out of the gates a little slow there so we are all waiting for that first okay there's the future um there's the Squidward future meme you know where 
where we can really just put all of our stock into to believing in this kid. And, and I do. So it's going to come. So we just got to be patient. He is a 19-year-old rookie at the end of the day. But there's been so many flashes of, of really good starting level point guard, really special player there. So I'm, I'm very happy with what I've seen out of Hayes in general um, and, and knowing that some of these negatives were going to happen just because he is so young. So I'm not freaking out by any means. I just hope that for his sake, he's able to, to have some solid performances so that he can build up that confidence, which I think is really important for uh, a guy in his age and a, a guy at his age that is put in the position that he is in as a starter coming into the league. For sure. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I think it's important to focus on with these young players, like, like what, you know, you, you don't focus on the rookie mistakes. Um, you focus on what, what they're doing well, that, that is kind of sustainable and what they really, you know, what their limitations are, what, what can kind of become a habit. And I think there's a lot more positive than negative um, in that regard with Killian. I don't know that he's ever going to be, you know, the, like the guy. Um, I I have some questions as to that. Um, You know, maybe he can develop that mentality. Um, But, but I don't think you need that if you build a a strong core around him. For sure. Definitely. And um yeah, I guess. Do you have any parting thoughts on on you know just where we're at right now? Um, anything else you want to discuss? Uh, well, I guess the only other thing I wanted to talk about because um, I don't really know how I feel about it, so I'm curious as to what you feel. Um, how you feel? There, there was a lot of um, a lot of controversy on Pistons Twitter in the first two games about Dwayne Casey's closing lineup decisions. Um, and I have some mixed thoughts. I understand where people are coming from with Derek Rose and Blake Griffin getting so many minutes and young guys kind of getting benched. Um, but I'm curious as to w- what you feel um, about that, I guess, both now and potentially moving forward. Potentially. or So now what, when it happened, let's just go back to the Minnesota game. There was a couple of turnovers that Killian Hayes had, I think with about five minutes left or something like that. And uh, Casey pulled Hayes, put in Rose. Rose didn't, Rose and the rest of the team did not play well. Uh, so I don't want to put that all on Rose. He also had some bad moments himself. Um, but uh, yeah, so in the moment, I understood it because the game's on the line and this is the guy that you went to all of last season. Uh, in these moments, and he was pretty good, all things considered, with how bad the Pistons were last year at, uh, I don't know, just being uh, as good as possible in those situations. So I completely understood it at the time. I don't think that there was any reason to freak out about uh, the fact that Hayes was pulled and they put in Rose and then they ended up losing the game anyways. Like, that can happen. Um, so in, in general, when when it happened, I understood it. Um, you know, when they played the Cavaliers and Rose got his pocket pick twice, that was really infuriating. Like I, as a fan, I was just not happy to see that they elected with him again. And, and the result was even kind of worse than it was against the Minnesota Timberwolves, even though both teams went on pretty massive runs, um, in those closing situations. Uh, but I would hope that the, the leash would be a little bit longer for Hayes to figure those out. But at the same time, this could go back to maybe a confidence building at aspect where you don't want to put him in those situations and then have him not succeed and then have that carry over. But I, I don't know how you can blame Dwayne Casey for the instinctual and how smart he is as, as a basketball coach. I know a lot of people think that they're smarter than NBA coaches. Um, but in general, I, just, not. I know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know that. Um, but uh yeah, I, I don't think I can blame his instincts to say, hey, this is these are the vets right here. These are the guys that have done this for seasons and seasons and seasons and seasons. I'm going to put them into situations to go out there and win us a game. Uh, as the season continues and as these losses start to pile up, maybe that's when you can start to become a little bit more creative with those closing lineups. But uh, initially, even though I was 
upset to see how they've lost those games. I completely understood the rationale from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, I I mostly agree with what you said. Um, and, you know, I, I think I, I kind of said it earlier, but like, you know, you have to trust at some level that an NBA coach like Dwayne Casey, like knows how to develop guys. Right. And you don't necessarily just throw everyone in the, in the fire and see what comes out. Um, you know, there, I think there's value in earning minutes, um, especially those kind of minutes. Um, I think you do have to kind of enforce that with your veterans. And that, that was part of my gripe with Derek Rose staying in that game as long as he did. Um, but you know, there's that the Cavs game yeah. or the Timberwolves. Um, I think it was the Cavs game. Um, was that the game? Wasn't that the game where he was just really bad in the? Uh, yeah, in overtimes. Um, yeah. So, but you know, at the same time, like, there's just so many ways that guys can learn, and we just know so little about how an NBA player develops well and doesn't develop well. Um, and, and I think we always have to keep that in mind as we're questioning coaching decisions. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. And, you know, that's why we kind of watch games, right, to be able to do this sort of thing. But I, I think there needs to be much more patience and, and much more, I guess, understanding of the, the broad objective in, in the whole thing. Yeah, we've seen a lot of franchises throw the kids in the deep end of the pool and say sink or swim. And we've seen a lot of circumstances that that hasn't been good, or you, I guess you can't necessarily singularly point that out to a reason why a player didn't develop uh, or did or did not develop. But uh, the rationale that that is the only way to develop a player, I think is flawed. So, uh, but I, I would like to see how that sort of shakes out in the future because there are moments where Derrick Rose doesn't deserve to be on the floor. So there is merit in saying, hey, this guy actually doesn't have it right now, so let's pull him out of there and see what else we got. So, yeah, I, I guess I'll be keeping an eye on it. I'll say that, but it, initially I completely understood it. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it right now. Anything else you want to cover? I think we covered uh, quite a bit there. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought that covered it all. So, well, Matt, I want to wish you a happy new year because we won't record until 2021. Uh, and uh, as always, you can follow uh, Inside the Cylinder on Twitter at Inside the C-Y-L-N-D-R. And um, new episodes of Detroit Bad Boys. This is David Fernandez. You can find me on Twitter. Just, I don't know. I don't want to say my whole name right now. But Matt, happy new year, my man. Happy new year, David. All right. Talk to you later. Peace.